All right, guys, we are here with episode 21 of the 4Lifters Biolifters podcast. We have uh, registered dietitian Dalton Nice with us today. He's also an amateur bodybuilder. Uh, we're going to talk about how those two worlds collide and uh, get into some some theory and I guess some actual science too, right? Yeah, man. For so, sure. What, uh, just to start off, like, what is a registered dietitian and how is that different than like me going online and saying like, that guy looks really good. I want to hire him as a coach. Yeah, for sure. No, good question. So a dietitian needs to have the schooling, um, typically a four-year degree. Now they're making it a master's degree. Okay. And then after that, you got to get a dietetic internship. And then once you're done that, which is 1,200 hours of supervised practice, you got to take an exam, which is similar to like what RNs would have to do, like a national exam. So you got to take a, an exam. And then... Um, yeah, pretty much you're, you're good to go after that. Um, but, yeah, a nutritionist, just like you said, you can go online and, and get certified with any kind of different kind of certification. But so. what's, like, the difference, though? Uh, well, we can treat disease and we can work in healthcare. So, like, a registered dietitian can work in hospitals, long-term care, um, different kinds of community um, events, um, things like that. But... Yeah, nutritionists can't, like, treat disease. They're not, you know, able to do those types of things. So from, like, a, I guess, like, a bro perspective, like, if I'm an online coach, right, mm -hmm. and I just look really good, hypothetically, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and somebody goes, well, it's between you and this guy, and that guy's a registered dietitian, I feel like nine times out of ten, they're like, well, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely big, and especially with social media and things, people, people are always geared to go towards the person that, that looks good or looks the best because they feel like they know what they're doing. Right. Generally, it's not always the case. Um, I, I've even found that um, in my journey um, that people that, you know, necessarily aren't the top top bodybuilders, you know, they know typically more than uh, a typical bodybuilder. Like when I was when I was coming up, I got coached by a pro bodybuilder, and later learned a lot of the stuff he was teaching me was just not correct. So, but it worked some yeah some yeah but there's just there's better ways to go about about certain things okay so it, i there's also like a legal component to it mm -hmm. too right like mm -hmm. you're legally allowed to tell people what to eat whereas yeah. like a coach is supposed to mm -hmm. give like loose recommendations or something yeah so we're technically licensed to be able to prescribe meal plans and, and write everything out. Um, I have seen, so there are a couple of bodybuilding coaches that aren't dietitians. I've seen their plans um, and they usually put at the bottom, um, not a registered dietitian. Um, I'm not responsible for blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's kind of like SARMs where it says like, yeah. uh, not recommended uh, for human consumption, but it's in a capsule. Here exactly, you go. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so yeah, we, we definitely have that ability, um, which is really nice. So what did you learn, like, because you were into powerlifting and bodybuilding, you know, uh, when you were in college, right, mm -hmm. and maybe before. Mm -hmm. What did you learn uh, going to school to be an RD um, that really, like, changed perspective on what you had thought you had knew before? Uh, it's a good question. <clears throat> um, I would say the biggest thing I took from that is uh, context means everything. Um, because everybody really wants like a black and white nutritional answer to everything. And same with, and same thing is with exercise. And it's really not the case because you can have two different people and give them two completely different answers of what they should be doing for nutrition and things like that. So it's really good to, when, when you're in school to really learn all the basics and then being able to be put in situations and learn how to apply them to different situations. So that, that was my favorite part about it. So you think it gave you more of like a, a wellness approach to, you know, not just having the look, but, you know, feeling, you know, mm -hmm. the way that the body does look mm -hmm. and being able to perform that way. Mm -hmm. So I think we should just like dive in. Like I have a million questions I want to ask you. For sure, for uh, sure. What's, what did you learn in school for protein intake? And then where do you stand on it now? Okay. So good question. So it all depends. What we're referring to, are we talking about bodybuilders, athletes, or just in general? Yeah, we're talking. We're talking like, bodybuilders. Yeah. So in terms of bodybuilders, so when I was first getting into school, you know, the big thing that people were talking about was, um, you know, protein's bad for your kidneys. And as we got through sports nutrition and all those types of classes, you know, we, we learned that that's really not the case. As long as your kidneys aren't compensated, right. um, higher protein really isn't going to be an issue for, for somebody. Um, my stance on that now is... Um, I am a pretty high protein guy for a lot of my clients. I feel like it's a, 
it's a macronutrient that should be prioritized, especially when you're trying to build muscle, um, lose weight. Um, it's very important. Um, What's the reason? Is it for satiety? Is it for the nutrients in it? Or is mm-hmm. it just strictly because of the physique that it may build? Uh, a couple different things. So, yeah, satiety is one. Um, another one is it's very hard for protein to convert to fat um, compared to carbohydrates, for example. Um, it's just a really long process in the body for that to happen so it's not really likely so if, if you overeat protein you're generally not going to be gaining weight or putting on excess fat like you would via carbohydrate um, so, that's, so that's the one pretty cool thing about it um, that it can be utilized for for sure when you say high protein uh, how high exactly yep context man context so uh, for me so usually for people I would say 200 pound person, you know, maybe the most I might go is 300. Usually I might have them, depending on what their goal is, um, 225, 250. I kind of like it a little bit above their body weight. Um, but because the, the protein recommendations that are given out that you'll read in textbooks and stuff, that's the minimum amount you want to take in without having a deficiency. So when they say like 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, that's the minimum amount you need for to meet your nutritional requirements. Um, so <clears throat> what I technically like to do, you can, you can do um, a gram per um, pound of lean body mass. Um, I'll do that with some people as well, but generally just depending on the goal, I'll usually put them a little bit higher than their body weight, 1.25, yeah. 1.5. It actually made me smile when you said 300 because I'm a 200-pound guy, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit lighter right now. But I, for the first time two years ago, I tried carb cycling, okay. and I got a uh, just a basic template from like a Shelby Starnes. Uh, one of his ebooks. Right? Okay, okay. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I want to try it and see how this goes. Um, and his protein was super high. This is 300 grams. And uh, so, you know, obviously it fluctuates a little bit. I think the the high carb day, I think protein came down a little bit. Uh, the medium day, it was 300 with medium amount of carbs, medium fat, and then you had your you know no carb day essentially, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. high protein and mm-hmm. a moderately high amount of fat. Um, and it was a, the lean bulking guide, and I actually got leaner doing it um but i actually felt really good eating that much protein um so i just feel like that's a really solid number and even right now uh i i'm like a 188 pounds so i'm pretty light mm-hmm. um but even right now I, I eat 265 grams of protein and i feel great right like, right it just seems to work yeah it it definitely does um you know usually a lot of people i work with when i put them on a higher protein diet that's usually the the feedback i get from them man i feel great you know i feel so much better i'm feeling fuller energy's high feeling great this is this is so much different and it's, it's pretty much straight across the board the feedback i get from in people. order to get that high on the protein content are you big on like rotating protein sources i basically go off what they're craving to be honest with you, um, I have my recommendations that I'll kind of give them. Hey, I think this would be a good choice, but what are you what are you hungry for? Like, what can you eat on a daily basis? And if you get sick of it, then we'll kind of you know change to something else. So you don't think for like a micronutrient uh, purpose that you have to like use a bunch of different meat sources and any of that? You can, you can, but you can also get them from from other foods. So you can, it just depends uh, how the diet's set up. Um, if you're not getting it from something else, you can fill it in with another food or or uh, supplementation if if needed. Do you think the FDA like clearly defines protein? What do you mean? Like So my wife was vegan for a bunch of years. Okay. And to her protein was like this like lentil pasta. Okay. Um to me that's not protein. It's not complete protein. It doesn't right. have the amino acids and even if it did it doesn't share the same bond right. uh that a complete protein shares. Mm-hmm. Um so to me, it's not a complete protein, but the FDA allows it to read as protein. Do mm-hmm. you have any issues with somebody using, you know, uh, nuts and, you know, pastas and beans as protein source? That's a good question. Um, it all depends on the goal, too. If the person is, you know, trying to maximize muscle mass, I would say I would have an issue with that. And I would probably try to either have to pair different plant sources to make a complete protein um, or... Um, find some kind of supplementation to get complete protein protein sources in them or like BCAs to add on top of that meal, something like that. Um, but if the person's not really worried about muscle mass, um, don't really have that big of an issue of it. You're just going to have to eat more of it because um, it's more when you eat um, animal-based sources, it's more bioavailable compared to plant sources and vegan, vegan type sources like that. Um, so you're going to need a little bit more um, when you go towards that. So you think... 
it's more important to just have the amino acids than for them to necessarily be bonded together. Like if, if you have, you know, X, Y, Z amount of amino acids in, um, you know, in a complete protein, uh, and then let's say that two sources of plant protein can make up that same amount. You mm. think that's good enough? Yeah. And again, it just comes back to the person. Um, I mean, I, I'll always be more of a proponent of, uh, animal based, um, cause it's complete, you know, you have the, the nine essential aminos. Um, but yeah, it's really, really just depends on the person to be honest with you. Okay. I wish I could give you like a, a black, black and white, a, a black <laughs> white answer, but I can't because it really depends. De- I'd probably give a different answer depending on the person and what they were telling me they're trying to, to accomplish. Yeah. What was interesting is when I, <clears throat> when I met my wife, she would eat her steak purple, right? Like, oh, wow. like she's, she would tell him like, just sear the outsides and give it to me. <laughs> and, uh, and that's how she was. And, uh, and then she went vegan, you know, watched the documentaries and, you know, uh, got, uh, did all that. Gold Netflix. And, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, she went vegan for a couple years. Um, and then I finally got her to start eating eggs. Okay. Right? And then she started eating eggs, started eating Greek yogurt again. Then she started eating a little bit of fish. Um, when she did that, uh, you know, her stomach got better as far as digestion and stuff mm-hmm. goes. Her skin cleared up. Um, and, uh, you know, her, her muscle tone came back. Right. right? Um, so I, I definitely think there's something to it. Do you think there's like a genetic component too? Like, do you think if you either the way you are like DNA structure or the way that you've eaten for, you know, 23 years, mm-hmm. you know, plays a part in how your body reacts to like those aggressive of changes. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I, I really wish they had a lot of uh, research on that kind of stuff. I, I feel like they're, they're starting to look into that a little bit more, you know, with DNA and diets and things like that. I, yeah. I've been hearing a lot the about that. Diets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I'm really curious to see what we kind of find out in the next 10 years, but it's definitely, definitely a good question. I'm sure it, it probably does. Um, I don't have an answer on that right now, but, um, I would have to agree. I would, I would think it would have some kind of, a some kind of relation. Yeah. To be honest. I think the other issue with, um, with like plant-based proteins and concerns of bodybuilding mm-hmm. is when you consume, like, let's say you wanted, you were using like lentils as your protein source, uh, in order for you to consume like 20 grams of protein, um, you know, if you want to do that with Greek yogurt, it's pretty easy, mm-hmm. low carb, low fat. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do that with like lentils and, the, and beans and all this other mm-hmm. stuff, you end up with just to meet that protein requirement, you end up with pretty high carbs or high fat. Yeah, man. Um, so then you're consuming <laughs> a lot of extra calories and that makes it a little bit more, more difficult, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. And, and plus with like the meats and everything, you're getting so, so much bioavailable, um, micronutrients, you know, magnesium, zinc, iron, um, a lot more bioavailable in those sources compared to the, uh, to the plant-based what about so we're talking about like protein content mm-hmm. obviously that can fluctuate a little bit based on enhancements yeah uh, so sure. if somebody's taking the super supplements or something like that mm-hmm. maybe it would go up or down depending mm-hmm. um but i also think it's it's good to, to talk a little bit about like what protein sparing is and how that can come into effect like when you're building a diet plan mm-hmm. um so yeah protein sparing is definitely very important um what what kind of context do you want me to kind of roll with? Like, uh, um, I mean, I think if you could, could it really explain like what protein sparing is? Um, and then maybe how, how you can kind of, I think if you understand the philosophy behind it, then it, it changes the structure of your diet a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if maybe if you can get into that a little bit. Yeah. So sparing uh, protein sparing, um, would be, you know, preventing muscle breakdown, in a sense. Um, so, you know, supplying the body with enough protein, um, you know, you're making sure that you're, when you're exercising or going throughout the day, your body's not, you know, breaking down muscle tissue and using that for energy. Um, so getting enough protein in, in your diet will definitely, um, you know, prevent that from happening, which which you don't want when you're trying to build muscle right. and, get, and get stronger. Um, so having sufficient protein, you know, you definitely want to make sure that's, that, that's on point. But you're also trying to use like your energy sources, right? So the the body doesn't run well off of protein alone, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it wants one of the two energies, right? Mm-hmm. Carbs and fats. Mm-hmm. Um, but without, if it, the absence of the energy source would require an abnormal, abnormally high amount of protein, right? Okay, I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, if, if you would have... Um, 
if you have a higher carbohydrate diet, you can tend generally, you know, keep your protein a little bit lower because it's going to spare the proteins from being from being broken down more. Right. Um, so yeah, if, if you if you control your carbs and um, you keep them high enough, you definitely can spare a lot more protein from breaking down in your body. 100%. Does, does it work the same with fats, or is that kind of different? Um, <clears throat> I mean, the body the body prefers you know glucose as its main source of energy. Um, good question. I don't want to I don't want to give you the wrong answer on that. So. Um, yeah, I don't really know that one to be honest with you. Um, but you do mainly yeah. hear of like carbohydrates as more the, the protein sparing, yeah. you know, when it's brought up. For sure, for so. sure. But I mean, I, I think it really comes down to like the total calories too. As long as you're in a calorie surplus, you'll be more protein sparing, um, in, in general. When, uh, so when you start dipping into, um, like higher carbohydrate diets, like, uh, let's say that, how heavy are you? Uh, 240. Okay. So if you were trying to get to 300, you would have to consume carbohydrates in your diet, right? Like, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, are you big on following the glycemic index or did you kind of throw that out the window? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Um, I, I more so pick my carbs based on how I feel. Um, okay. By, so for example, if I have a lot of pasta, um, I don't really feel that great. Um, about an hour later, but if I have more of like a rice, I feel a little better. So, and they're both pretty, you know, they're, they're kind of up there on the, on the glycemic index. And I just kind of have a different response towards, towards different foods. So I more so go by how I feel towards a certain food more, more so than the glycemic index. I mean, it's definitely a good, a good thing to look at, but when you pair, when, when you, Look at the glycemic index. Those are just the foods in isolation. But generally, we're not eating those foods just in isolation. They're generally with something else. So it's really not going to be um, on point to what the, the index says it's going to be. So if you're eating white rice by itself, it might spike your blood glucose mm-hmm. levels. But if you're eating white rice with a steak that mm-hmm. has fat and protein with mm-hmm. it, it may delay. Exactly. And then it may digest what would be a you know, slower digesting exactly, carbohydrate. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. What about um, what about fructose mm-hmm. in a, in a bodybuilding sense? So mm-hmm. let's forget about the micronutrients and antioxidants of a fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you put like fructose, and do you utilize it at all? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so fructose is great um, if you combine fructose with regular um, glucose. Um, it actually in, er, it allows your body to take in more carbohydrates more efficiently. So pre or post workout, I usually try to get fructose involved with um, my other carb sources. Okay. So that way I have better utilization, um, uh, with my carbohydrates. Cause it has something to do with, uh, um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, glute, I'll say it's glute four. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, there's just, there, there's a different transporter that opens up when you add fructose in the mix and it allows for better utilization of uh, carbohydrates is one of the one, one of the fun things I learned in sports nutrition class. Yeah, I feel like fructose <laughs> for me is probably one of the most confusing things mm-hmm. because uh, you know you can read a bunch of bodybuilding articles about how they utilize it, and I think um, uh, I don't want to overstep, but I feel like Rich Gaspari or or maybe uh, uh, Labrada, like back in the day, you, you ate a lot of mm-hmm. fruit. Yeah. Um, but then like you also read that it it gets stored directly in the liver mm-hmm. so it's it's not used for muscle glycogen right um right. so like you only know which way to go with it uh and then i was watching a, a charles poliquin video and he was talking about how the fructose is offset by the antioxidant value um so he was a big proponent of like thin skinned fruit because it had any higher antioxidants and offset the fructose um so like i just feel like it's, it's completely up in the air and it's almost like whatever you feel like doing. Yeah, and I will say too that when we look at fruit, it's not all fructose too. It's a mixture of different sugars. So um, there's going to be different fruits that are higher in fructose than others, but they're generally, you know, maybe half and half of uh, glucose and fructose. So um, when, you, when you're eating fruit, it's not that you're getting, you know, straight, straight fructose um, all across the board. So um, I feel like a lot of people will stay away from it because they think it's all fructose. Um, that's a good thing for for people to listen to. That it's just it's not all fructose. You're getting you're getting some glucose as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about uh What about like insulin? When mm-hmm. when you help somebody, uh, whether it's a like I don't know, I guess somebody that needs dietary help, uh, or like for health purposes, or somebody that's in bodybuilding, um, do you pay attention to insulin? Uh, is that something that's really necessary? 
Um, I don't necessarily pay attention to it myself. I mean, I, I know some people will get like their labs done to check what their you know their fasting insulin yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. Um, I more so pay attention to um, how their bodies are responding through progress pictures and, and feedback. So if I see somebody, you know, um, continuously looking like they're putting on a little bit of fat tissue when I'm increasing their calories and their carbs, that'll kind of give me an indication like, oh, okay, it looks like they're starting to get a little bit more insulin resistance. Let's kind of try to fix that up a little bit, maybe do a mini cut or just depending on the situation. Um, but yeah, I've ne never had to do that yet. Um, usually I'll check, like sometimes I'll have people do uh, um, finger pricks. I'll have some of my bodies do uh, bodybuilders do that um like before and after meals uh fasting um to get a kind of an idea of where they're um where they're at with metabolizing glucose and stuff mm -hmm. that's interesting mm -hmm. just because insulin plays such a, a large role in in bodybuilding right mm -hmm. a lot of bodybuilders use insulin mm -hmm. um is there is there a way that you can tell that somebody's starting to become insulin resistant like do they look different like what what's changing there <clears throat> yeah so i i usually typically notice um less definition you know um when we're, when we're checking in um they get more tired um they might not have as good mental focus as they generally would okay um and then once i start to see you know those uh blood glucose numbers go up that's usually an indicator to me that we gotta we gotta start looking at something to make some changes. Usually, I don't really um, use insulin with with, with my guys. Um, and again, I don't work with any like IFBB pros that would that would be you know more prone to using that. It's, right. it's more the, more of the amateur, so it's not really necessarily needed. Um, it definitely does have it's the most you know like you said it's the most anabolic hormone we have, so it's definitely very important. Um, so what about like uh, what about sweeteners? Mm -hmm. What's your stance on sucralose, aspartame, stevia? You know. Yeah, no, that's uh, a great question. Um, I think they're very useful. Um, granted, everybody's going to be, you know, responding differently to them. Um, you know, I don't know somebody that you know won't do good with with uh, stevia. I don't, I don't know someone that does well with it. What do you mean doesn't do good? Uh, they get gassy. They might get stomach pains. Okay. Um, things like that. Um, but you know, where the research is at right now, there's really, I mean, there's, there's this French study out that a bunch of TikTok people were talking about and, and Instagram about how it causes cancer. And it's like, you actually really look into the study. It's, it's not, it's not, um, anything that you can make claims about. I think it's really, it's really new. The, the research on, you know, the harmful effects, the sweeteners, the, all that stuff's really new. We don't really have any definitive answers. Uh, as of now, we can say that it's safe for the human body. Um, you know, people always uh, demonize um, aspartame, but when you look at where that came from, they were giving rats a tremendous amount of aspartame, tremendous amount of aspartame. I think it, I think it was equivalent to like a hundred Coke, Coca-Colas that someone would have to drink in a day to get that much aspartame. So it's just like these ridiculous things and people just take it and then they want to get views or, or sound bites or whatever they want just to get, uh, just to get their name out there. And yeah, it's, it's a bunch of nonsense, but, um, I, I'm definitely for them. Um, I personally like Stevia the best. Um, I like the taste of it. I'll add it in my coffee, my teas. Um, I think it's really useful for contest prep and for people that are trying to lose weight. Um, you know, I've I've had a lot of people that have a hard time getting away. Uh, a lot of my lifestyle people that have, that have a hard time getting away from soda. So change over to diet. Like, oh, I can drink diet soda. Yeah, man. <laughs> what about? Um, so we were just talking about insulin, mm -hmm. and there still is a uh, secretion of insulin from the pancreas when you consume an artificial sweetener. No. Sucralose, aspartame, nothing. So. I haven't seen any data on that, and what what people think is your body. So you'll hear, you hear the argument: okay, we take in we take in a sweetener. The body thinks it's sweet, so let's release insulin. No, the body releases insulin when it senses blood sugar that's high, right? Right. So it's trying to dispose of it. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. So it's not going to release insulin because it senses something. It's going to release it because something's in the blood that's elevating the glucose. That makes but me feel better. Um, unless someone unless someone shows me a study that that was proven, you know, I'll get on board. I'm not saying that this is, you know, it's it's my opinion that that's just what I was taught and Yeah. But you don't 
that as far as physique's <clears throat> concerned, right? So like you've you've put people through a prep mm-hmm. drinking diet sodas, yeah, man. Um, and you don't think that that's played an effect in their physique at all. They came nope. in the way you wanted them to come in, yep. and you didn't have to overcompensate with super supplements or anything exactly. for them to be able to drink that Coca Cola right. or that Diet Coke. The only thing I would do towards the end is I would probably I kind of cut them out towards the end, um, just because they can you know hold water, quote unquote. Or cause sometimes, or it's more so just like a, a safe a, a safe thing to do, so you don't have any GI issues yeah. per se. Because when you're that lean, anything can freaking happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like just to be safe, I kind of I kind of teeter them off a little bit towards a peak week um, on the sweeteners just to be safe. But yeah, pretty much throughout the whole entire prep. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have them in there. But uh, again, too, like with with the research, there's a, the there's there's a safe amount that that you can take and, and not have any complications, generally speaking. So I think that's just, the hard part, though. Is like what's yeah. within reason for people. For sure. You know, in our for side sure. of the industry, <clears throat> you know, your your protein sweetened with sucralose most likely. You know, your pre workout, your aminos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe you're taking a couple other products. You're drinking an energy drink throughout the day. You know, so I, I feel like they're in extreme situations where you're dieting to a point of you know where you're trying to be exceptional. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a you know point of marginal return, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. where where do you need to stop? Yeah. Um, but for the average person, you know, the bro uh, that just wants to lose weight, it's not really playing an effect right. on 100%. on their physique. Hundred percent. I think yeah. that's fair. I think I yeah. completely agree with you on that. For sure, man. What about um. You know, we, we talked the other day about, like, low-carb, high-carb, mm-hmm. and where you kind of stand on that. Um, what's your preference there? My preference for, for my diet, personally? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like, I mean, uh, kind of like to pick up on a conversation from the other day, I've kind of noticed I, I don't utilize carbs as well, the, old, the older I get. So my, my stance for myself, personally, is more like a, a moderate Carb approach, you know, for me, moderate means about, you know, 300 grams, you know, maybe a leg day, 400. Um, that's kind of the highest I go. And usually once I go past that, I, I find I don't really um, utilize them very well for energy. I kind of start storing more fat and I kind of become more resistant okay, in, in so, a sense. So if you're at, let's just say, um, uh, let's say, you know, on average, you at 350 grams of carbs mm-hmm. a day, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the week, 350 protein. Um, where's your fat? with something like that i'd say about around 100 around 100 okay um my, my fat will be different um throughout the week um because sometimes I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw in some nuts there for snacks um but generally speaking i would i would say you know 80 to 100 i guess okay so it's not high fat by any means mm, nah um so when when you're at that 350 mark and you start pushing to 400 because let's just say you're trying to get to 300 pounds mm-hmm. and uh you start putting on body fat mm-hmm. right and you know you may be insulin resistant at that point or at least at that level mm-hmm. um what do you do at that point to, to keep gaining without putting on the excess fat yeah so i you can do a couple things um sometimes i'll have a couple days where i'll go really low carb try to almost like but not unquote, low calorie um, low calorie too It'll be lower calorie just because I'm taking the carbs out and okay. I'm kind of keeping everything else the same. The same, yeah. Okay. So I'll kind of give myself a couple, a couple low days, or maybe I might carb cycle. Kind of depends on what I'm doing at the time too, um, or I could, uh, you know, increase the cardio. Um, I'll kind of use one of those, one of those three methods. Maybe you know have a couple. So one would be either having a couple low days where I'm having you know bare minimum, um, you know maybe some carb cycling where I have you know some low days, some high days, some moderate days. Um, or I'll just kind of increase my output, you know, add, add some hit cardio in there or um, just increase that throughout the week to kind of help. One thing I noticed when I was doing the carb cycling a couple of years ago is every time I had a high carb day, it would make me excited because you get mm-hmm. to eat all yeah, the yeah. oatmeal, you know, <laughs> whatever else, you know, potatoes and stuff. And um, but every time I would have a high carb day, I would have a, a terrible training session. Um, and I always found that like my medium fat days and my and my high fat days were my best training sessions. So mm-hmm. I actually had to rearrange the way I was, as, you know, the timing of everything so I could put my leg day on a medium day where I would actually be performing the best. Were, were you consuming, so when you would have those high carb days, were you still full going into your training session or, yeah. were you, or, did, or did you make that meal farther back so you had more time to So to I was digest? at that time I was training at like 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Okay. Um, so I had plenty of, I, I would think I had plenty of meals in me. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I, but I was also super hungry all day. Um, so I, I don't know if the, the lack of fat would increase my, what's your hunger hormone, ghrelin? 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't know mm. if that would increase that or how that worked. Um, but I just found that it, I was just like burning through it and I would always end up leaner the next day. Right. So you have your high carb day and mm-hmm. I, it got, I actually got to a point where I would have high carb days on my off training days. Okay. And then you okay. know, the next day I wake up and I'd be leaner and look better, mm-hmm. even though at the time I wasn't trying to get any leaner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't know if there's anything to that or if I'm just missing the way like muscle glycogen is loaded in the body or. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody's got different metabolic flexibility. So, you know, it really just, it really just depends. Let's say you're taking on like a bro like me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I have no interest in competing, just like looking good, lifting heavy, and just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sign up with you, let's say my training intensity was like pretty good, right? For somebody who's been lifting on and off for, you know, 10, 12 years now. Um, do you think that we could go into a diet and I can, you know, let's say you gave me 3,000 calories, <coughs> but all of a sudden I started like training a whole lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that can dictate? my calorie intake or do you think that it doesn't make that big of a difference based on like training intensity what are you, are you asking is does training intensity um D- matter how, how much how much calories yeah <clears throat> good question um i would say yes it does um because i mean obviously we're burning calories when we're training but generally when i when i give someone a diet off the go or off the get-go i kind of i take where they're at and i build off that point so say like you came to me and you're at 2,000 calories, right? But you're training and you could use 3,000, right? Right. I'm not just going to put you at three. I'm going to slowly build you up to that. Um, unless you have great genetics, some people can tolerate that big change, but a lot of times they can't. And, you, and you'll notice a lot of fat accumulation if you give someone too much food off the get-go. So right. I'm, I'm a big proponent on, you know, just minimum effective dose and building up from where the person's at okay. more so. How do you... Uh so we're starting to talk about like implementing changes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this time of year when this is released, most people are going to be interested in getting lean. So mm-hmm. we're just talking about bulking, but we'll transition that into, uh, into dieting down. Like how do you step somebody into getting lean? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's not just one, you know, one linear change. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how do you implement that? No, nah, great question, man. I love that question. So, uh, it, and it's funny because I get so many people come to me, Dino, can, can you start me a diet to get shredded for the summer? It's like, dude, it's not that easy. Man. Yeah. It's really not that easy. Because um, sometimes people aren't even, they're not even, their bodies aren't even ready to cut. Uh, you know, usually they're, they're, they, they've been trying it on their own before they come to me. They're already eating nothing and then they want me to get them in the shape. It's like, dude, you're, you're going to have to go backwards first before we can take you to that point. Yeah. You got, you got to be metabolically ready. Cause if you're, if you're already, if you're a male, you're already eating 2000 calories. Where are we going, man? Where are we going? 1,200? No. <laughs> that's not going to work. Well, that's that's when you start, um, I mean, especially in women, like you start having more yeah, serious issues, uh, yeah. reproductive systems yeah, and all for that sure. stuff. For sure. So, like, it really depends where the person's at with their food. And and that's why I said about about the other thing where, you know, I like to take it where, where they're currently at. So, I'm, I'm big on, like, you know, making sure that you give me your diet recall and it's as accurate as it possibly can be so I can really see where you're at metabolically. Um, so say we have that person that comes in and they're not eating enough. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to reverse diet them for a little bit. I'm going to have to explain that to them. Why are we doing that? Um, and generally, sometimes they will get leaner when we do that because I'm giving them more protein, you know. Um, and generally, sometimes that, that helps uh, depending on the genetics of the person. Um, but, yeah, usually we will have to take that step, reverse diet, and then I can kind of take them into cutting after that. Um, but very rarely will I see someone that comes to me that's actually ready to cut. When uh, years ago I watched a video, I think it was with, it was definitely with John Meadows. I think Evan Santapani was in it, and we've had both John and Evan out here. Oh, nice, uh, Evan's nice. been out a couple times. Okay. Um, and, and they're both just really great guys. Um, and one thing John said in the video was like, you always want to have more, uh, I think like more cards in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime I get more serious about my diet or my training, I always try to make it so like I can make one more adjustment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, like I was eating, uh, you know, let's say I'm eating like five meals and I rate like in my mind, I rate how good those meals are. Like if I'm, if I want to be a hundred percent on point, Mm -hmm. so I rate them from zero to a hundred percent. Right. So like, let's say we have five meals at 80%, like each card could be making that 90%. 
and then 100%, right? So like maybe my food source is relatively, you know, crappy or poor or the protein source or something like that. Maybe you're not doing cardio, right? So doing mm -hmm. cardio would do that. Mm -hmm. And then doing cardio frequency could be another change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, training intensity, uh, training frequency. I just feel like all of those are small manipulations that you mm -hmm. need to do for like two to four weeks before you can grandfather your way into another change, right? Mm -hmm. So like every time you make a change, you have to earn that mm -hmm. and then additionally like any type of peds and that kind of stuff should be saved to like where mm -hmm. you're maximizing all of your possible mm -hmm. changes yeah, right yeah saving your ace card yeah 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 you gotta so. save the ace card yeah man there's definitely people try to throw everything in at one time and then they plateau and they have nowhere to go after that yeah. you know what i mean it's like you want the minimum effective dose for everything but that also makes it not <clears throat> sustainable right so exactly. like if, if you go balls to the wall right away mm -hmm. and you have no other cards to pull you have nothing else you can change uh, you just get burnt out. And I feel like that's why we watch these guys, you know, mm -hmm. they run these, these crazy cycles. They have these awesome transformations, but they also look like they went from 30 to 40 oh, yeah. and then they're all burnt out. And then you see them six months later and they're, you know, they just look mm -hmm. like an older skinny fat version of themselves. Yeah. So yeah. And a, a lot of those things stem from, you know, where are these guys learning those, those cycle tactics or, um, reasons of why they're deploying xyz at this amount it's just it's a lot of it's just what they hear in the gym man it's like as as i got more into this there's there's like cycle designs that, that you can learn about and um using synergy and people don't you know understand the the, me the mechanism of action of some of the drugs and they're just taking random doses that they heard from somebody at the gym or whatever it's just it's just it's not good man I, i've heard so so much crazy stuff at the gym from people I, in, it's insanity in their defense though i feel like it's always been like that like mm -hmm. you listen to stories about like all the best bodybuilders in the 90s and mm -hmm. they would just like like their friend would come in and be like dude just take this i swear mm -hmm. you know they wouldn't even tell them what it was exactly. and uh so it's kind of like a messed up culture um you know recently i would say over like the last year and a half especially since like uh you know, I got married, had a kid, you know, fertility was something to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. Like I've been, I've become kind of like anti PED. Um, and that's not for everybody, but like it's most people don't need it. Mm -hmm. And the, the way I came across that conclusion was, uh, in 2017, I, um, let me backtrack actually. So since 2014, I've been getting my bug work done at a wellness doctor. And he does a full panel. It's like 20 pages, right? And he goes over everything with me. And I'm also friends. So we, we have like an hour visit to discuss my health. And it's never been super good, right? And with that, I've always had low T. So you're looking at the bottom of the normal range of, of 300. Um, so I've been prescribed testosterone, cypionate, and uh, Arimidex or Anastrozole, the generic version, uh, since 2014. And what, what you do on a normal HRT cycle is you would do nine months on, three months on Clomid and HCG to make sure everything's still functioning. And then, you know, you basically do that indefinitely. Um, what I found is I aromatize easily. Um, I hate pinning. And I didn't like the effects of the Anastrozole. So in 2017... Um, right before like the keto craze, I tried the keto diet. Um, I got my blood work done in January and my test levels were like 303 or 309 or something. And then I got them done halfway through. Uh, so three months in and then another three months later. So six months into the ketogenic diet and my test levels went from 300 to 489. So my weight had only gone down one pound. My waist had come in about two and a half inches, right? So measuring where the belly button is. Uh, so what I found is like the food legitimately has an influence on your body's function, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if we know that food has an influence on our function, then we shouldn't allow ourselves to compensate with exogenous hormones mm -hmm. if we're not doing our part, right? So like we have to kind of earn our keep mm -hmm. and earn our right to use that stuff. And I just... Uh, personally, I just feel like most people haven't earned the right to use it. Yeah, 100%. So. 100%. And it's like when people ask me all the time, like, hey, do you think, you think this is a good idea? Should I, you know, start some testosterone? It's like, dude, well, like, are you trying to be a professional bodybuilder? Like, like, what's the what's the end goal here? Just trying to get like, juicy as fuck. Yeah, like, oh, well, I just want to try to look good for the beach this summer. It's like, dude, do you realize that you're going to most likely shut down your natural production? You might be stuck on this for the rest of your life, pinning every single day. Yeah. Or not every single day, but uh, uh, we every weekly, week, yeah. weekly, twice a week, whatever. Depends what you're on. Um, and they, they just don't understand the the 
the process of it and, and once you educate them then they start thinking like oh, okay yeah maybe you're right but uh, it's just it, it's not their fault because because like you said they just don't understand they don't understand how how great the food can be to help them with with their goals yeah i i think um like there's a certain amount of experimentation that has to go on as well so like in in 2012 when i was uh competing in at collegiate nationals for powerlifting mm-hmm. uh i tried that's when i tried my first diet plan and that was uh, carbohydrate backloading by okay. Ed Kiefer. Okay, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Right, so like, you know, we were so broke back then, like one person bought the book and just sent it to everybody, right? Uh, so I got the book, the ebook, and, uh, you know, just followed the diet along. And I noticed that my body weight couldn't go up anymore. I was trying to bump to the 220 weight class, so I'm kind of a small frame. Um, so I couldn't go up anymore, but I was getting leaner. That's cool, but that mm-hmm. wasn't helping me get any stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to ditch that diet, but I did follow that for maybe three to four months. Okay. Um, and then I followed a low-fat diet for, uh, that my buddy who does, um, like, physique prep okay. stuff. Uh, so he's like a – you know, he would set your fat – he would set your protein at 1.2 times the lean body mass of your, your body, right? Gotcha. Uh, and then your fat would be at 20% of total calories, and your carbs would be the rest. Uh, so I, I would do that on and off and I found that that worked really well when I was actively taking the HRT, um, because I think, I guess my test levels were higher. Maybe I could synthesize carbohydrates better. I don't really know. Uh, I've done the ketogenic diet. I've done the carb cycling. Um, but every time I do a template diet or a fad diet, I learn something about my body. Right. So like now I'm at the point where I can just kind of take, you know, pick and choose these little pieces of things that I've learned over time and just kind of put it together for something that's not only like effective for me, because I'm sure people are watching this like, mm-hmm. well, you could, you know, add a little size, you know, uh, but it's sustainable, mm-hmm. right? So like, I feel like that's the biggest part is, you know, Stan Efforting always says compliance is a science, mm-hmm. um, but like the sustainability of it is important. But I don't know if you've had a similar experience of like the trial and error of different diets. Uh, have you done that too? Uh, not to your extent. Um, you know, I mean, I've experimented with, you know, lower carb, lower carb, lower fat, higher fat, higher carb. Um, but not, not to your extent, but no, you're hundred percent spot on. It all depends what the person can adhere to on a daily basis, you know, like uh, intermittent fasting, um, you know, that might only be suitable for somebody that has a, a desk job. They're not, not very active and they don't really like to work out or they don't care about muscle mass it might be great for a person like that but for somebody that's you know in the gym trying to get gains things like that they might find that that doesn't work really well for them so like you said it's just finding out a system that works well for you and that's gonna be the key yeah actually uh so what was interesting about car backloading is you know on the days that you weren't training you were ketogenic mm-hmm. uh on the days you were training you were keto until you would train and then afterwards you would be low fat high carb and you would eat a bunch of right? Like cereal, donuts, you know, it's all in the book. Like it's, that's what he wanted. Uh, but then like the third phase of it is that you would actually implement intermittent fasting. Um, I'm, it doesn't sound like you're a big fan for bodybuilding purposes of intermittent fasting. I'm not either. Um, I think it's also an issue with what you break that fast with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a customer that said intermittent fasting was working great for him because he went from three meals to two meals. So mm-hmm. his calorie was changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his, his meal uh, which would essentially be number one, but would have been number two if you didn't fast, was mod pizza. Like, you, you don't break <laughs> your fast with mod pizza. There's no point in that. Um, but the, the third phase of it was uh, the intermittent fasting implementation. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing that really gets me out of bed at, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning is knowing that I'm going to eat this huge meal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's honestly, it's my favorite part of the day. It's solitude. It's quiet in the house. I get to cook my meal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I like that part. I don't think there's really any, you know, I know people go into autophagy and all that stuff. I mm-hmm. just don't think that there's huge benefits to fasting. Yeah, and I don't think we're there yet with the research either to know definitively of what it actually, yeah. it actually does. There, There's a lot of the, the longevity stuff that they talk about with fasting, but all that's like animal studies at, at, at this point in time. So, um, it's all speculative. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely uses for, for every single diet out there, but it all comes down to, you know, the goal adherence and what the person likes to do, you know? Yeah. I, I will say like, for those of you guys, uh, listening or watching right now, uh, I've been experimenting with, uh, a really low carb diet for the last, I guess like eight to 10 weeks. Uh, the only carbohydrates I really consume are, um, intra-workout carbohydrate powders. Uh, occasionally I'll have some potatoes, uh, 
you know, post-workout. But for me, you know, the benefit of that has, I'm not really hungry, right? Mm -hmm. So like eating that much fat in my diet, um, I can catch up on meals later. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like I can eat my big breakfast. I can eat my, my shake with my almonds, you know, later in the mm -hmm. day. I don't really need to eat again until like maybe five o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll make sure I, I still eat all my meals, even if they're back to back or if I mix them all together. Mm -hmm. You know, that way I keep my calories and, you know, my protein content the same. But I, I think just being like busy and not being hungry mm -hmm. is a major benefit for me. I don't Definitely. know if that makes sense. I don't no. know if you've had similar experiences. <clears throat> no, no, it does. But like, what would you say your goals are right now? Is it just to maintain, you know, your current physique? Are you trying to get leaner? Are you just, are you trying to focus on being more mentally alert? Like what's like the, what's the, the focus or, or is there not one and you're just, yeah, just I think it's like 80% of all of the above, if okay. that makes sense. Right. Okay. Like I want to look a little bit better. Uh, you know, we're going on vacation in less than a month. Um, so that like that, you know, that's a benefit of it, but I'm still performing really well in the gym. Yeah. So my, although my calories, so another thing you talked about was eating consistent, consistently before you start dieting. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I did that even though I was out of the gym for all of November. Um, you know, I ate the same meals every day since probably July of last year, all the way through February. Wow. Like my meals really didn't change. And, and I always have like substitutes, right? So if I need 20, let's just say 30 grams of protein, uh, you know, a can of tuna is like 27, mm -hmm. you know, a certain amount of ground turkeys this much. Right, so right. I always have my like options if I'm on the go sure. or something so I can stay on track. So there is a little bit of uh, variety in it, but for the most part, I ate very consistently. And my wife thinks I'm a robot. Um, because like food just doesn't really entertain me. And, uh, so I did that, and then I transitioned into this low-carb thing relatively quick. I was doing just carbohydrates post-workout, and I didn't see much change in, in the physique, so I decided to cut them out. And, um, you know, my, my calorie levels are still about the same. So I entered it in at, like, 3,200. I'm at probably, like, uh, last time I calculated, it was, like, 2960. Okay. So, I mean, they're still really close. Mm -hmm. And the only other change um, the only other change that I had since changing that diet was I do three to four times a week, we do a mile and a half walk around the neighborhood, okay. right? So, like, my, my neat or my daily expenditure has gone up a little bit. Gotcha. Um, but outside of that, and, I, I mean, I'm down, like, two two belt loops or okay. belt uh, holes. Um, so, like, something is changing there. And I don't know if it was the point of, you know, insulin resistance or if it was the point of just, you know, poor food choices or whatever. Um, but there's, for me, like, there's something to, even if it's just the compliance of the low-carb dieting where I just feel good. And I also think that it has something to do with the, the increased amount of cholesterol that I'm consuming has to have something to do with the testosterone levels because mm -hmm. it boosted it once. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use that one-time data, which I know isn't good science, uh, to say that it's probably doing it again. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> you're, you're definitely correct on that, though. The uh, um, That's actually how, you know, testosterone is made from, from fat, you know, from right. cholesterol. We get cholesterol from fat. So it's definitely part of the process, um, 100%. Is, is, did, you guys, did you get your free test checked, too, along with your total test? Yeah, I, I that, don't recall the numbers, and I know that's more important yeah, than the total test. Yeah. Um, but I just remember, you know, the, the doctor saying, like, you know, how much are you, you taking on the, the milligram dose? Cause he wanted to know so he could, you know, make notes. Um, and I told him I, ha I hadn't taken it in, you know, six, nine months. And he goes, Oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the other thing, uh, you know, when, when he does your blood, it's fasted okay, and, yeah. uh, my, my fasted, uh, glucose or fasted insulin levels, um, you know, were really good too. Okay. And they weren't as good before. What was also interesting with that blood work and, and this is years ago in 2017, was that my cholesterol went from red to orange to green. Uh, so my I was eating, uh, back then I was eating, I started at 240 grams of fat a day, which is a lot. Um, and, and the fact that my cholesterol got better, I just thought it was really strange. And maybe there, I don't know if it's genetic or what, but maybe there is some correlation to carbohydrates and cholesterol versus mm -hmm eating cholesterol and cholesterol. Yeah, no, they're 100% is. Um, high carbohydrate diet tend to increase triglycerides for a lot of people, but there is a big study that came out, I forget how long ago it was, and it kind of just confirmed that 
cholesterols, generally speaking, is um, from genetics. Um, it just depends on the person's liver, how much it produces. Um, you know, you'll have the occasional hypersensitive person to the food um, in response to uh, their, their blood levels with the cholesterol. But generally speaking, it's, it's more so the uh, genetic component. But no, 100%, if you have a high-carb high, high carb diet, um, that can translate over to, to higher cholesterol sometimes for people. I've, I've definitely seen that a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was definitely my case. I also felt like, uh, you know, I used to have a lot of skin issues. Uh, okay. when I went high fat, all my skin issues went away. Really? Yeah. And I thought that was strange too. Um, so maybe it's a genetic thing where my body just runs off of fat better. I know my wife is Maltese and like sometimes I'll come home and she'll be eating a brick of cheese, mm-hmm. um, because that's what they do. Uh, so she functions really well off of fat. Um, so maybe it's genetic. So, so, so let me ask this too. Did you change your fat sources at all of where you're getting the fat from when you went to the higher fat diet or is, has it kind of just stayed the same? No, it definitely changed because I, I actually, when I did that, the previous six months, I was doing that 20% fat. So in order for me to go from like 55 or 60 grams of fat to 240, like my sources had to change so I could consume that Man. much. Uh, a lot of it was coming from olive oil, uh, eggs, and um, oh, nice. I would do bacon. I would do a lot of red meat. And um, the... I was doing a lot of cheeses in the beginning, but I, I don't think cheese provides any value to anybody. Like I, I feel like it's it's a waste of calorie other than it tastes good. Um, so when I, I cut the cheese out is really when I started to see the changes in my physique. And I think that that had something to do with the change in cholesterol too. Okay. But I didn't eat the cheese prior. So that was an add-on to reach my fat goals. Gotcha, gotcha. No, I mean, you, you, your, fat, your fat sources sound pretty good. You know, olive oil, eggs, things like that. They're all good, and, and and that's another misconception too with eggs and cholesterol. People think if you eat a lot of eggs, you're gonna have high cholesterol. It's not true. Yeah, yeah, and I, <laughs> I think true. that Fake was news. yeah. I think that was bad with the, uh, you know, with the boomers. Mm-hmm. You know, is they they really got the the kind of the shaft on that, yeah. and they were also told, um, you know, that uh, margarine was better than butter, mm-hmm. right? And I think the science is really just starting to come out on the different, like lengths uh or chains of uh fats like within saturated fat right you have like three different sizes of fats um so i I feel like we're we're getting there we're making progress but there's so many like different camps of uh diet is becoming like religion kind of so like yeah 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 the vegan community which is using a lot of um of oils Mm -hmm. uh are you a do you think it matters uh as far as like the vegetable oils and that kind of stuff that's in food uh, you know that's a that's a great question. I'm still I'm still up in the air with that one in in my thought process. I'm not sure which way I'm going with that. Um, I will say you know olive oil you definitely can't go wrong with that. But is is in terms of like uh, what are some of them like um, uh, canola oil, um, saf what's the other one safflower? Yeah, so one. canola oil's from corn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so much my recollection. Yeah. So that's like weird to me. Because corn doesn't have a lot of fat, I know. so like, where are you getting this from? I know that's that's definitely something that I'm I'm not too well well versed on to be honest with you. Um, definitely something I'm looking into because I I've had heard both sides of the arguments, but there's there's a lot of research that shows that the oils really aren't as bad as what people say they are, and then you have the other camps that say that they are. Um, but I I would say there's more evidence to say that they're not as bad uh, as what people make them out to be. Um, I've kind of seen that more. So that's kind of where I lean more towards. Um, but I don't really think there's like a definitive answer on it yet. Yeah. I think my honest opinion is it comes down to like regulation and consumption. Right. So like if you're eating, you know, a burger that's fried in the oil, Mm -hmm. you know, it may be charred. So I, I saw that the amount of something, how it's cooked can play an effect on mm-hmm. uh, on how it oxidizes within the body, mm-hmm. right? So, like, that's now an issue, plus the oils, plus all the carbohydrates and the fat. And, like, you know, when you put all of those things combined and then you do it ritually, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you really start to run into issues. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, if you wanted to have a little bit of canola oil, you know, a couple times a week, it's not going to kill you, right? right? And you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't even notice the health um issues with it or benefits or whatever because you're not consuming it constantly Mm -hmm. like i just don't feel like canola oil is meant to be consumed regularly Mm -hmm. agreed agreed and i mean that that kind of goes with everything like um the the poisons in the dose 
Yeah. With literally everything, you know, yeah, with the, with sweeteners, oils, PEDs, PEDs, everything. Yeah. You know, there's there, there's a safe amount for for almost uh, any food out there. But yeah, you are right. If the the way that certain meats are cooked, if they're if they're burned, it oxidizes different in the body. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people should be focused on. On those little things, I think they really need to take care of the the bigger fish first, like the 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 uh, low hanging fruit, yeah. um, and not not so much the little minor details. Well, it's got to be steps, right? Like yeah, we talked about. Exa- exactly. Exactly. One thing exa- at a time. Exactly. Exactly. What about um? What about like sleep quality? Do you mm. think that that has any effect on like calorie intake? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. There's there's some research on this too. Um. Some good research, uh, with sleep and you know the amount of calories that you'll burn. Is so. For example, if you don't, if you don't get a good night's sleep, you're shown to, um, burn more muscle throughout the day, and not metabolize carbohydrates as well. Okay. So the the gray area with that is what's not enough. What do you mean? Like, uh, well, oh, mean, oh, sleep. Oh, yeah, sleep, like sleep. Arnold, Arnold <clears throat> would always say, like, he would sleep four to five hours a night. And what was his famous line? Like, sleep faster? Then again, he's on PEDs, too. So you have that you have that cushion to kind of lean on, which kind of changes the physiology of your body. Um, so I would definitely make that argument. But, nah, man, for the, for the average person that needs, you know, their hormones in, in proper range, you know, they're, they're going to need their sleep, man. I mean, I, I would say the research seven to nine, even, even for some athletes, I've even seen, like, up to ten. There's, there's some sports dietitians that, uh, that are, uh, rec- are recommending that to, to some of their athletes, which isn't really doable for a lot of people. But Yeah, but if you're a professional <coughs> athlete, exactly, you, you can sleep. Exactly, But for, yeah. for, I was more so meaning, like, like college and stuff. But, but, yeah, I would say definitely no, no less than seven. Um, but, yeah, uh, the, I, I forget what the numbers were with the studies, but I think it was less than, less than six or, or seven that, that they saw those differences. So what could, like, a 25-year-old, uh, let's say there's – they're sleeping five hours a night, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they want to come to you and start a prep. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the difference between them sleeping five and eight? A lot, man. Um, you know, they're not going to get into shape as well. Their body's going to be more stressed. Prep is like, it is so stressful on your body. And if you want it to respond the way you want it to, you really need to, to mitigate stress as best as you can. Meaning your lifestyle, your sleep, all those things are going to manage your cortisol. So that's something that really needs to be like the top priority is sleep. What can you explain what cortisol is? Yeah, so cortisol, it's a it's a stress hormone. It, it gets released in times of stress. Uh, it'll naturally peak in the morning um, for people. But uh, say if you're like a high high stress person, you know, or quote unquote a bug out, always bugging out about stuff, or or uh, can't stay calm, you probably have high cortisol all the time, and you're just you're constantly in this like fight or flight state or, or sympathetic. You want to be you only want to be in the sympathetic state when you're when you're training. You don't want to be sympathetic all day long. You want to be in a parasympathetic, nice and relaxed, calm. You'll be you'll be utilizing your nutrients better, better partitioning. Um, when you're constantly stressed, your body's just not going to be operating the way you want it to. In all the aspects of getting lean, putting muscle, holding muscle, it all ties together with with the sleep. And if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the biggest benefits of PEDs is actually its ability to to combat cortisol, right? Like it's uh, not yeah. not just for the anabolic effect, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. All right. What? Uh, I got one more thing for you. Uh, salt. Yeah. Um. Are you pro salt? Do you think it should be limited? Pro you know, salt. Yeah. Pro salt. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, the only way I wouldn't be pro salt is if you have someone that's, uh, you know, you're you're older and you're really salt sensitive. You like know, a, like somebody with hypertension. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But otherwise, it's very needed. I literally actually added into pretty much all my protocols. I have people adding it to their their pre-workout, their intra-workout, I had to have them adding it to the meals. Because generally, if you're eating nutrient-dense foods, you're not really going to be getting a lot of sodium, and you really need that. I'd say for generally for uh, general recommendations, you know, maybe four to six grams for, for an athletic person, someone in the gym. I've never day. measured salt. I never. just go by eyes, you know, because that looks good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a, a quarter teaspoon is uh, about 500 milligrams. Okay. So. Yeah, I... I um I first heard about it with like Stan Efferding was recommending like salt taps to powerlifters yeah. before they would train. Yeah. Um, so I started adding more salt to my foods. And I noticed I started feeling better, and I mm. actually think I recover better. Um, so I use um, iodized sea salt okay. two to three times a day. Uh, I think iodine is like a, a lost art. Yeah. You know, everybody wants this like organic salt and all this stuff. Well, there's a reason why you know they put iodine in the yeah, salt. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I use iodized uh, salt 
uh, you know, I think it, it helps with thyroid function. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then I do regular sea salt throughout the day because I know iodine poisoning is a real thing. So you mm -hmm. can't, you don't want to overdo that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it makes me feel a ton better, especially like pre and post workout. You know, yeah. it can help with the pump, like, Dude. and it's so cheap. Why wouldn't you add it? 100%. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually involved in like a lot more things than people actually realize, like muscular contraction, you know, delivering nutrients, the muscle cells, yeah. to the cells of the body, keeping you hydrated. You know, that's all when, when someone says like they're dehydrated, salt is part of it. You know, you're dehydrated, you're, you're, you're lacking, you're low in salt as well as water. So to get rehydrated, you want to implement the salt, potassium, all that needs to be in, in place to be, you know, quote unquote hydrated. Yeah. Um, so it's not just water when people think of hydration, you know, you got all the, you got all the electrolytes, magnesium too, calcium, all those play a big role in delivering of nutrients and muscle contractions. It, it's funny you say, and I don't know if I've said this on a previous podcast, but we, uh, you know, we had an athlete years ago who was a bodybuilder and she actually gave herself rhabdo. Are you familiar with rhabdo? Mm -hmm. um, because she drank too much water. And what happened was that it actually stripped out the electrolytes from her system mm -hmm. and the, the balance was off, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, she ended up uh, in the hospital with, uh, you know, her kidneys were eating themselves or eating the muscle. Wow. And um, yeah, just from too much water. So wow. a little bit of salt would have yeah. cured that. 100%. So it, 100%. It, it's crazy how important it really is. But Dalton, I appreciate you coming here. Yeah, We're going to get some training in after this. Uh, you know, I'm going to show them how to work out. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so um, my Instagram name is dnice11 with two E's. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I post most of my stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks.